Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. I want to get straight into the Word. I am not, I'm finished with our series of faith, the, uh, the fight you will always win, but I feel the Lord wants me to kind of touch on a couple of points uh, similar to what I just taught and add to it. So today, uh, I'm going to share with you concerning a little bit about spiritual warfare. Um, spiritual warfare is a topic that I think uh, for some people, maybe it's a little hazy. They're not exactly sure what it is or how to actually engage in spiritual warfare. Um, let me just tell you something right now, just, just to kind of get it out the, the way. Everyone here is involved in some type of spiritual warfare everyone everyone has some type of spiritual battle whether you realize it or not spiritual warfare is a very real thing and uh, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever you know Jesus you don't whether you've been in the faith for quite a while or whether you're new to the faith doesn't make a difference there is a spiritual battle that is waged and um, it is waged against you absolutely Uh, but the good news is what's the good news people of God Yes, we've already won. Absolutely. (laughs) That's the good news. Yeah, we have already won. And so I want to share with you a few things about standing during a spiritual battle. Amen. Um, But let me start with the very first mention of anything of this sort. Uh, How how do you know that we're in a spiritual battle? Well, I want to start with the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis means the book of beginnings. Genesis means beginning. That's where you get the word gene. That's where you get the word origin from. So a lot of what you learn about God, you can discover just by reading the book of Genesis. You'll understand how he designed things, what he wanted from the very beginning. And so I'm going to go to chapter 3. And what I'm skipping here, I'm skipping the story of when Adam and Eve fell, you know, and they fell into sin. And um, we're going to go straight into some of the consequences, actually just one, one of the consequences of sin, right? So Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and this is God speaking to the serpent, the one who was used to deceive Eve. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head some say some translation says crush and you shall bruise his heel okay i'm gonna read that one more time this is a consequence of man sinning god said i'm gonna put enmity what is enmity it means hostility it means warfare in other words there's going to be a battle this is god announcing for the very first time, and he's introducing this concept of spiritual warfare. And he says, I'm going to put enmity, there's gonna be a warfare, there's gonna be hostility between two things here, okay? Are you guys with me? He says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, okay? So who's the woman in this? The woman is not just Eve, but we'll focus on Eve for a second. So yes, Eve and her descendants, mankind, right? Every person that is born on the earth through Eve being the first mother of humanity. 
So he says, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, between you and her seed, everything that she produces, okay? And he says, I will bruise her head, excuse me, he shall bruise your head. Now, who is the he he's referring to? He's referring to not just mankind, but he's referring to Jesus himself, who will be born, born into mankind. Jesus will be used to bruise or to crush the head of Satan. And yet Satan will be used to bruise his heel. And what does that mean? That means that there will be persecution. There will be warfare. There will be hostility. There will be enmity against the people of God and mankind as a whole. This was the first verse that you see where spiritual warfare is being introduced. So I want you to know that everyone here is in a spiritual battle. But notice it says that he shall bruise your head or crush your head. You shall bruise his heel. Right. And so it shows you that we are in the seat of the advantaged one. We are the ones that are crushing or bruising the head of Satan through Jesus. I want you to understand that there is a spiritual battle. You are engaged with it. It has been waged against you, but you win. But you win. And I want to share with you how to stand during a spiritual battle. How do you win? Before I go there, here's a question. Not only from what I just read, but how do you know when you're in a spiritual battle? Because like any kind of war, there are high moments of contention and then there are low moments, right? Even right now, we have wars going around the world. And sometimes those wars, they reach a fever pitch and sometimes they're relatively calm. Still at war, but not much going on. And so you might be right now sitting here and not much is going on. It's relatively quiet, relatively calm. Or you might be in a place where <laughs> it's anything but calm, anything but quiet. It's hostility. It's at a fever pitch. I feel it very, very strong. And so I want you to know no matter where you are, there is a spiritual battle that you're in, but you will win and you overcome in Jesus' name. So one of the things you'll see from Job, for instance, Job, I love his life because he went through a lot and you can learn a lot from Job. And one of the ways you know when you're really under attack, like really, really under attack, is if things seem to heighten at a, at a very fast pace. There is like constant one thing after the other happening against you. Anybody been there before? Where it just seems like, man, like... I turn here and there's a problem. I turn here. I turn, I turn like every single place I turn, and it all seems to happen all at once. Sometimes I'm not someone who is so demon conscious and devil conscious, but the Bible declares that we should be aware. Sometimes that's an indication that you are under a spiritual attack. When things happen out of the blue, when things are just constantly happening out of the blue. And it creates a sense of confusion. It creates a sense of just despair. It's, you, can see, you can feel life being sucked out of you. And it's one after the other. A problem with your health, 
a problem with your job, a problem with your family, a problem with whatever. There's all, and it seems to be out of your control. It seems to be things that you did not do anything wrong to, to, to have this come upon you. It just seems to be external happening constantly. Oftentimes, that's an indication that you might be under a spiritual attack. And the Bible teaches what you should do in that situation. There is something that you can do to make sure that you stand. Somebody say stand. Come on, nudge your neighbor, say stand. Say it loud, stand. There is an option that you have. You can stand or you can lay down. And the Bible is declaring to you, you ought to stand. You ought to, what does laying down look like? Complaining, saying, my God, when is this going to stop? Oh, I can't take it anymore. Oh, my goodness, what do I do to, des- what would I do to deserve this? Oh, God, I, I, can't just, I can't seem to get any breaks. God, where are you? Right? And, and that, that's the constant theme of your heart. A, a feeling of, let me just give into despair. Let me just not care anymore. Let me just not serve God anymore. That's laying down. Let me just not try anymore. Let me not just put the effort anymore. That's laying down. And the scriptures tell you, don't have that attitude. Have the attitude that causes you to stand. Somebody say stand. Stand. I want to share a few things with you about that. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Is that a command or a suggestion? So we are told to be strong. We are told to stand in strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles? Anybody know what the word wiles mean? What is the word wiles, man? It's an old English word. Schemes, plots. Think about it. There are schemes against you. There are plots designed against you. There are things like that in the realm of the spirit. This is not to make you sad. I just want you to understand the reality. It says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. So there are things that are plotted against you, things that try to frustrate you, things that try to push you outside of God's will, things that try to discourage you from moving forward in God's plan for your life. And the word of the Lord to you is, I want you to stand. Think about that. I want you to stand. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We don't have time to go into all of that, but what I want you to know from what I just read is that there are different degrees of spiritual attacks and spiritual influences. There are, right? There there are rankings. There are... I'll give you one example, for instance. Some people think that the devil is everywhere. He's not. He's not an omnipresent being. He's not. 
most of what people deal with is not the devil himself, right? The devil is a very finite being. He's not someone who's everywhere like the Holy Spirit is. No, he's not. But what may be present are the, what the Bible calls spiritual darkness or evil spirits, spirits of the evil one, right? And so just like God himself has, of course, the Holy Spirit, he's present everywhere, and you also have angels and angelic activity, as we talked about last week, there are also evil spirits, right? And there are also ranks in that realm, right? And the Bible declares that Satan himself, he obviously is the prince of the power of the air, so he is that high-ranking dark angel, if you would, that dark uh, uh, evil being that is cursed, as the Bible declares him to be, but he is not everywhere. And so much of what you're dealing with many times has an evil presence, but is not the devil himself. I want you to realize that, okay? So it says that you may be able to stand against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What should you take up? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. My goodness. If you read this, you're going to see a lot of standing, withstand, stand. I mean, I mean, you're going to be a whole bunch of standing in this particular passage. And the, I believe the point is very clear. God wants you to stand. He wants you to stand. Somebody say stand. And you can in the name of the Lord. Verse 14, stand therefore, my goodness, how many standing? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist, with, your, your waist with truth. What is the first element of spiritual warfare? Is truth. And Paul is really describing something that is familiar to the people that he's writing with because they, were, they understood Roman occupation, they understood Roman soldiers. And like any soldier, like any police officer even today, most of their armor, most of what they carry is surrounded by or held up by the belt that is around their waist, right? And so the, the word truth is something that you should really pay careful attention to because it's the truth that allows you to hold everything that you need to hold to withstand in that evil day. One of the first things you need to know if you're going to stand in spiritual warfare is what is the truth? What is the truth? You may be in a spiritual warfare with, again, maybe a family situation. What you have to ask yourself is, what is the truth? What did God say concerning this matter? There's some people who are in spiritual warfare, even with their sexual identity, their gender identity. Whatever it is, what you have to ask yourself is this, what is the truth? Because you cannot engage in warfare if you don't have truth in your spirit, man. You have to know what has God said concerning this matter. Here's where we miss it. We identify quickly with what we feel. It's not stand by the, by, by the belt of feelings. We identify with what we feel. We identify what we think. We identify with what's in vogue. We identify with what's trending. We identify with what's politically convenient. 
But the Bible is showing us very clearly, if you want to stand, you need to stand on something that is immovable, that has stood the test of time, and that thing is called truth. Truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? I know what I feel, but what is the truth? Let me, let me, let me paint it this way. Anybody had your heart broken before by loved ones or someone that you, were, you, you fell in love with? Let's, let's do it that way. And you felt that they were this. And you felt that they were that. Oh, I met, I met the perfect one. You felt. And then you realize, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling you anymore. Like, I'm feeling something different now. What is the truth? Feelings change. Truth doesn't. Facts change. Truth doesn't. The truth is something that spans the time of man's existence. It's before you. It's after you. It is present with you. The truth is what you can, you can bank on. What did, what did God say concerning this matter? Praise the Lord. Amen. I want you to really understand it because some of you, you might be in a battle, and one of the first things that you do is you try to, uh, you try to appease or you try to ch ch just try to you know, find some type of coping mechanism that is not based on truth. The truth is what is going to cause you to stand. Let me share a few things about that concerning that. Because you may say, well, what is the truth? How do I know this? John 18, verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? This is Jesus. He's about to be crucified. Pilate can set him free. Pilate is annoyed that Jesus is not answering him. He says, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone. Someone say everyone. everyone. Say it loud. Everyone. everyone. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. If you want to know the truth, I'm going to be very, very candid with you. You have to have a heart that appreciates what is true. Some people don't appreciate truth. They appreciate convenience. Even when it comes to, I'll give you an example. I'm going to touch on some things here. I'm a very loyal person. I'm a very loyal person, right? But my loyalty is to the truth. Are you hear what I'm saying? I am not going to be loyal to you at the expense of what is true. Now, I'll be loyal to love you, 100%. I'll be loyal to support you, 100%. I will not be loyal to what is not true. You hear what I'm saying? So sometimes you have family members who you love, but you know, they got some issues, right? And Sometimes we kind of overlook certain things because we love them, right? And the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins, so we understand that, you know, you don't have to always deal with every single issue. But if you have a loved one that is doing something that is harming someone, do you know how many people will pretend they don't see it because I love them? No, you don't. You really don't love them. You love yourself. And you're unwilling to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. It's yourself that you love. Because if you love the truth, you would love them by confronting them with the truth. Was that too heavy right away? I meant to like, you know, <laughs> maybe save that for a little later. But, 
But there are people who are loyal to things that they shouldn't be loyal to, and they think it's a, it's a, it's a thing for them. Yeah, I'm a loyal person. No, be loyal to the truth. What is true? And here's what Jesus says. Everyone who's of the truth, everyone who has a heart for truth, this is where, this is where sometimes people don't hear the heart of God. It's because you don't have a heart to know truth. When truth matters to you, when you want to know what's right, when you pride yourself in doing what's true, you hear the voice of Jesus. Glory to God. Can I read that one more time? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And I believe if, you believe if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're of the truth. But I believe sometimes our ears get clogged because we sometimes don't have an affinity to what is true. We may believe Jesus is truth, so we accept him as Lord and Savior. Praise God. But there's some things I'm not really feeling. So we clog our ears with certain things. And then we want to know the truth about a matter. And God is like, look, your heart has to be open to the truth in general. And when it is, I can speak to you about anything. Let me go further here. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but what if he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to speak on his own authority. He's going to guide you into all truth. So the belt of truth, that's the thing that helps you stand in spiritual battle. How do I stand? Have an appreciation for the truth. Stick to the truth, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like. If you would stick to the truth, you will be putting yourself in a position to hear the voice of God. And the voice of God will guide you in victory, will guide you in truth, more truth, and guide you in victory in that specific spiritual battle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Lord, I'm, you know, you know um, the breakfast club? Uh, this, this always, this always, a, Angela Yee, anybody know Angela Yee? All right, she's one of the hosts of the Breakfast Club. It always cracks me up. Sometimes I'm driving and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hear something that, you know, is going on at that station. I, I kind of bounce around. So she has a segment called Ask Yee. Anybody heard that before? Oh, you guys are some saved people. I love that. <laughs> it always cracks me up because I see this not only with her segment but with other, with other um, things. It'll go like this. Angela, I don't know what I should do. My boyfriend cheats on me sometimes, and he sometimes smacks me up, and, and uh, he'll, you know, he, he wants to be with other women, and he wants to introduce other women in the bed, and, and should I stay with him? I don't know if it's for entertainment purposes or if these are real questions. These are real questions? I, I don't know, like he sometimes gives me a black eye and sometimes he, you know, should I, but I love him, should I stay? Sometimes I'm, over, I'm over about to get into an accident. I'm like, this is the question we're getting? Really? We don't know what to do? I think we actually do. I think 
we buried the truth so down into our hearts that it becomes indistinguishable and we don't know anymore what to do. We get, we get kind of dumb. If you don't appreciate truth, you will be led to blindness. So don't act like you don't know what's up. When something is going on in your life, when God is dealing with you and you know that there have been things that you've been kind of ignoring, don't act dumb. I'm trying to be frank with you here. Lord, let, let, let me be real. Okay, yes, I know what's going on here. Let me share this scripture with you, Ezekiel 2, 1 to 2. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet. Somebody say, stand on your feet. And I will speak to you. I love that. Stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. A lot of times, you're not hearing the voice of God because you're not standing. You're not standing. You're laying down, complaining, rolling, wallowing, what is going on? And he says, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. Some of you want to hear from God? Here's my advice to you. Stand. It's the soldier who is at attention, standing, that is at a position where he can receive directions. I remember going to, um, I used to do roll calls. I used to participate in roll calls uh, at the police precinct. Um, as a clergy, I would go and um, right before the officers would go out on, on their route, you know, they would give, you know, just they would give a rundown on what, what to expect, okay, watch out for this, watch out for that. And then I would come and I would speak to the officers um, and just give them a word of encouragement and just, you know, pray over them. And, and I notice, like, like you notice in soldiers, you know, like in armies, they all are attentive while their captain is going over their route and what, what they're going to do, what they need to look out for. No one is sitting down. No, no one's laying down. Everyone's at attention, ready to receive instruction. So here's my question to you. You want to hear the voice of God. What is your posture lately? What is your posture? Your posture has to be such that you are attentive to hearing the Spirit of God. That's how you stand. Let me go on here. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Somebody say the breastplate, breastplate. of righteousness. What is that? The breastplate of righteousness, as you know, obviously is the, the breastplate the, that covers your chest area. And this is the area that covers your vital organs, mainly your heart. The breastplate of righteousness covers your heart. In a spiritual battle, one of the things that is at stake is your heart. You can leave a spiritual battle bitter, angry, upset, feeling like God robbed you, cheated you, ignored you, didn't help you, or your heart can be free, your heart can be pure, your heart can be strong. You can leave a spiritual battle feeling depleted, disgusted, busted, <laughs> however way you want to feel, or you can leave a spiritual battle whole, strong, and intact. 
This is why you have a breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is a breastplate that reminds you of your right standing with God. And it empowers you to live a life uncondemned. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 that if your heart condemns you, you will not have confidence towards God. And there's a lot of people who have con condemnation in their heart, and they don't have confidence towards the Lord. This is why we have to carry the breastplate of righteousness, because it keeps you from being condemned. I've said this before, it bears repeating. Some people, you feel condemned not because of the things you've done, but because of the things you're tempted to do. That's a, that's a play of the enemy. That's a play. I, I like to go to the extreme. Forgive me. I know I, I, I kind of make you cringe sometimes when I do that. But I do that to prove a point. I want to show you something. What I mean by sometimes it's the things you're tempted to do. There are people who are tempted. They've never done it, but they're tempted because, and they don't realize it, there is an evil spirit. There's an unclean spirit. And I'm sharing this with you, not because I believe anybody, this, anyone identifies with this, but maybe you do, or maybe you know someone who does. I want you to be prepared to minister to people like this. There are people who have in their carnal flesh, their unrenewed flesh, a desire to harm children in a perverted way. They've never done it before, but they, they feel an impulse. They hear a voice. They feel a, a, a desire. And they feel condemned, like, my God, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me that I could have this kind of a desire? Or, maybe that's too heavy, um, you have a desire in your flesh to leave your spouse, to cheat on someone that you're married to. And yet you're in church singing hallelujah, you know, when I, you know, when I move my body, you know, and then... Tonight, you think about moving your body a different way, you know? And you're like, what is wrong with me? How, am I real? Am I really real with God? What, am, I, am I a fake Christian? How could I be in the Word? How could I be in prayer? And then the very next hour, I'm ready to cut somebody out. Something must be wrong. And some preachers will tell you, oh, you ain't really got the Holy Ghost. No, you have to understand how this works. Sometimes you will be tempted in a certain way, and it will cause you to feel condemned, not because of what you've done, but because of what you're tempted to do. I shared this before. Jesus was tempted to worship the devil. I never was. I never was tempted to worship the devil. Jesus was. That had no bearing on who he was. Jesus didn't walk away from the wilderness experience. My God, what was wrong with me? Did Satan actually said, would you worship me? No. He understood just because a, a, a temptation is presented, it has no bearing on who I am. 
And I have the ability and the responsibility to reject it and to walk free of condemnation. I know who I am, and that is not. I don't care if you're tempted every single day to do something horrible. You must know that that is not who you are. Hallelujah. That is not what I'm about. I, I recognize these feelings, but I reject them. You have, you have little kids. I'm not trying to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings, but I want to be honest with you. You have little kids in school being taught, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, if you are a boy or a girl. You know, you can be anything at any time, any day. The devil is a liar. Hey, listen, I got to be honest with you. Gender is a beautiful thing. Don't discard who you are just because you feel like you're something else. No, it's a beautiful thing. Have you considered the thought that maybe Satan wants to rob you of your beauty by making you feel like what you are is not what you should be? Because I don't feel like a man. I don't feel like a woman. I don't, who cares how you feel? I want you to know the truth. You are this, and it's beautiful. Now, who told you that before? No, what the world will tell you is, if you feel this way, then that's beautiful. No, I I feel a lot of things that ain't beautiful. Anybody felt some things? And you're like, man, I really jacked that up. But I felt it when I was, you can't trust your feelings all the time. So we as believers have to affirm people no matter where they are and love on them, but tell them the truth. You're more than what you feel. And it's possible that you have yet to discover the beauty of who you really are. God made you a man, and he made you a man because he believes men are beautiful. He made you a woman, he made you a woman because he believes women are beautiful. There are people who hate who they are. Here's, here, here's the reality. I want to show you the hypocrisy. I didn't mean to say all this, but hopefully you understand where I'm coming from with all this. Because there are people who are battling these things. The world will tell you, and I, I don't know much about conversion therapy. I don't know much about it, so I'm not advocating for that. I, I, I know there's some people who say that, you know, it, it, people do some crazy things, like shocking you with electric. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm, I am not advocating that, whatever that is, because I don't know much about it. But here's what I want to point out to you. I want to show you something, the hypocrisy of the world. The world system will tell you we need to outlaw conversion therapy, right? But they will not outlaw, they will promote converting your sexual organs permanently. Now, I don't know much about conversion therapy, but I have a feeling it's less less severe than mutilating your body to be something you're not. You guys coming back next week? (laughs) Okay, let me me, me, me go another level. The world will tell you, now listen, I've never had to hit my my daughter, Sophia. I never had to spank her. She's a good kid, well, she, she, she listens. You know, like I said, I've never had to discipline her. But I do believe, I do believe that, you know, these boys, these boys, they might get it, you know what I'm saying? They might get it. You know, just to let you know, they might. <laughs> now, the world will tell you, 
You cannot physically discipline your children. But, but we can. But, we, but, but the law can. Let your kid get out of hand in the street. Oh, we can do that. Oh, but you can't. That's why knowing the truth is very, very critical. Don't ever succumb to people forcing you to accept something that you know is not right. And don't ever succumb to the judgment that people tell you, aren't you a Christian? You should think this way. You should feel this way. Are you a Christian? Well, how do you know how I should think? Are you a believer? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? People who are not of the faith will tell you what you should be. No, no, bro. Listen, you don't know what it is to be a Christian, so don't critique what it is. I didn't plan to say any of this, guys. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost must be all up in this. Lord have mercy. The breastplate of righteousness is what I'm talking about. Don't be condemned. No matter what you may be tempted to do, feeling, you are, no matter what you've even done in the past, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. God is not shaking his head at you. He's not, he's not ashamed of you. Thank God he's not. I mean, God is not ashamed of you at all. Praise the Lord, he's not. So when you're going through a spiritual battle, Stick your chest up and say, wait a minute, I'm uncondemned. I have a right. Sometimes people, we take beatings because we think I deserve it. This is why people, sometimes they stay in abusive relationships. Somehow they feel I deserve it. I deserve it. I, I, I angered the person. I should have been more sensitive to this. So I, I made the person mad. It's my fault. No, 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 no. That individual has not come under the place where they know that they're uncondemned. They need the breastplate of righteousness. So what do you do? How, how do I put on this breastplate of righteousness? You remind yourself every single day, I am righteous before God. Can we say that loud and clear? I am righteous before God. Say it one more time. I am righteous before God. Yeah, I am righteous before God. In Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, I am righteous. Amen. Uncondemned. But what if you? What if you? You? You did something you should. Okay, that may be the truth, but here's a greater truth that God, the Bible says, is greater than my heart. Meaning, if my heart is condemning me, God can go beyond that condemnation. He can wipe away that power of condemnation. He can restore me. He can heal me. He can cause me to emerge. Why? Because I'm right before him. So now when you're going through a spiritual battle, you don't secretly and subtly accept certain things thinking that you deserve this. No, you're right before God. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. You know what a soldier has, his feet are fastened. You know, generally they have spikes underneath, and it gives their footing 
a firm, you know, a firm, it gives their foot a firm footing so that they don't slip. They're like cliques. Sometimes they have like metal spikes, you know, to really give them a, a firm foundation. The Bible is simply saying that your feet should be prepared with the good news of peace. You know what I love about this? This is something that, I, this was always vague to me until recently. The Lord showed me. The reality is this. When you are in a spiritual battle, it's the good news that you release out of your mouth. The good news. The good news that you release out of your mouth that keeps you standing, that keeps you firm, that keeps you from slipping. It's the gospel of peace that, that, that keeps your foot from slipping. What is that gospel? It's the good news that speaks of peace with the Lord, peace with God, unity with the Lord. And anything that good news brings from having a relationship with God, having that out of your mouth, releasing that, not bad news, not talking about how bad things are. No, you talk about how bad things are. You're going to have a bad existence. But if you talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm redeemed, I'm healed, I'm whole. Jesus is loving everybody. No one is condemned right now by, by, by God's love. He is receiving everyone. Those who would receive him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. I mean, if that is what is coming out of your mouth, you will be firm in dealing with spiritual battles. Good news. Somebody say good news. Is it possible that we haven't watched good news enough? I, I'll be honest with you. I, I've even challenged myself. I'm like, sometimes I'm on my phone, I'm looking at some things, and I'm like, wow, interesting. My eyes immediately go to certain things, and they don't go to other things. If I'm scrolling, and, you know, you see something nice. Oh, a puppy was saved from the street. You know, okay, whatever. You know, you know, you know. You see something like nice and happy. You know, okay, cool. Uh, th then you see something scandalous. Oh, oh, I gotta see what that's about. You know, <laughs> I know I'm not the only one, right? And I, I, I said to myself, you know what? I gotta retrain my mind. I need to click on the puppy story. I need to click. <laughs> I need to fill my eyes and ears with the good news. And I want to challenge you all to do the same thing. Fill your ears with good news. Good news. What are you watching? Is it good news oriented? Or is it scandalous? Is it gossip? Is it things that are not good news? What does that do? Hearing and hearing the good news, it fills your heart with an with a immovable faith. Amen? So no more Wendy Williams, please. Angela Yee and whoever else out there. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You remember me sharing this before? Roman soldiers, they had two shields. They had a small decorative shield and they also had a large body shield, a shield that would literally be from head to toe, right? And that's the shield that is being referenced here. And this shield would often be dipped and submerged into water, giving that shield some type of lubrication. 
And the reason why is because when the enemy that they were at war with would shoot fiery torches, it would not only block those fiery torches, but it would also extinct, it would quench them. That's a good word. It would quench those darts. And that's what the shield of faith does. Because here's the reality. Listen to me very carefully. When people are in a spiritual battle, other people are watching that battle. The reason why it's important for you to win is because many times you have other people watching, learning. There are people who don't serve Jesus because they looked at their grandmother who prayed and, you know, and, 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 and you know, served the Lord and went to church every single, you know, day. And yet, it just seemed like their grandmother never, you know, lived the life that she should have lived. People are watching. People are watching your marriage. People are watching how you raise your children. Your children are watching you. Oh, you better believe it. And there's some people who are not walking in the faith because my parents did that. And look at this. Look at them. What are those? Those are fiery darts because it's designed to not only hit you, but once that fiery dart hits you because it's fiery, what ends up happening? It begins to spread. And there are people who doubt God's power, not because they haven't seen it in their life. They haven't seen it in others. They haven't seen it in others. And so what do you need to do? Take up the shield of faith, just like a Roman soldier would do. He would make sure that it was saturated with water so that when that fiery dart hit, immediately it quenched it. Well, take that shield of faith. I want you to saturate it into the word of God. Make sure your faith is rooted in God's word, which is the water, so that when you are attacked, it, it's immediately extinguished and quenched. And others could stand by and say, man, I saw what God did for you. I have now confidence he'll do it for me. Amen. We're not in this by ourselves. We're connected. There's some things I hold to because I have children. And I know my life means something to them. And if I don't live my life a certain way, it will be a fiery dart that spreads to them. I live a certain way, not only because of my love for Jesus, because I have a church. I think about you guys, and I have to tell myself sometimes, no, 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 no. If I allow this fiery dart to hit me, how will it affect others? Sometimes you need to see faces. You need to see that person that you just prayed with and say, you know what? I, nah, I can't do that. Yeah, we're not in this by ourselves. It's not just your, work, your, your walk with God, your Christian walk, my faith. No, you have to sometimes think about others. Glory to God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What is the helmet of salvation? The helmet represents that which protects your mind, your thoughts, your face, eyes, optics. It's not just a helmet that protects your cranium. It protects your entire face. These Roman soldiers, they had the entire, think of like a football player. You see how he has a helmet that covers his entire face? That's the kind of helmet we're talking about. 
Take that helmet of salvation. A helmet wouldn't just protect the, your top. It protects everything. So when, you're, when you don't have the right protection over your face and over your mind, over your brain, you begin to see things wrongly. It says, take the helmet of salvation, which speaks of hope. It speaks of what you see. It speaks of your optimism. It speaks of your hope for the future. This is the importance of having that helmet. Let me show you another scripture that connects to this. Verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So what, how, how does this work? The helmet of salvation causes you to stay in a place of hope. Hope first and foremost for your eternal salvation, but not just your eternal salvation, any area of your life that you need salvation. And I just want to give you one simple, simple thing. I told you this before many times, but you need to really understand this. If God can save you for all eternity, if he can save you from after you pass away, all eternity, he can save you from being eternally separated from him. If he can save you from that, he can save you from anything. So if you have hope for the salvation that is to come, have hope for the salvation that you need now. So when you're in that spiritual battle, what do you need to do to remind, what do you need to remind yourself of? I'm saved. And let that saturate your soul. What does it mean that I'm saved? I'm saved from eternal separation from God. I'm saved because I place my faith in Jesus. I'm saved because I place my hope in the one who is to come. I'm saved. Praise the Lord. So now what am I dealing with now again? Oh, this. Oh, if I can have hope for my eternal life, I can have hope now. This too shall pass in the name of Jesus. That's the hope of salvation. That's the helmet of salvation. It changes the way you look. Remember, the helmet doesn't just protect your head. It protects your eyes. It causes you to see the future with optimism, with hope, with the expectation of good for the future. That's what it does for you. Let me wrap this up. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's, that's an offensive weapon. Praise God. And I don't have to labor that, belabor on that point too much. You know the importance of the word of God. But let me, just, let me just say this because it's very important. If you're not in the word of God daily, someone say daily. daily. You are not going to have confidence to stand in a battle. Imagine if you had your helmet. Praise God. You had your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You had the breastplate of righteousness. You had your belt of truth. Wonderful. But you had no sword. <laughs> you know what you would do? And you, and, and you were pushed into battle. You wouldn't get hurt right away because you have, you have all the stuff. But eventually, eventually, you'll start to get weak. Because you have nothing to defend yourself with. You have nothing to be on the offense with. And so I want to encourage you, people of God, be in the word of God regularly, daily. I'll give you a very quick Bible reading plan. If you can write this down, if you need this. Some of you don't need this, so if you don't, don't. But if you need help 
in reading the Bible. Let me just give you a very basic one, something I believe will help you. Okay? So, and this is not, this is not even, in, this is not all-encompassing, but just to get you started. All right? I want you to read two chapters a day in the book of Psalms. Start with the book of Psalms chapter 1. All right? Every day. I'm going to just give you five chapters, two. Just, just let that be your daily routine. One, number two, read a chapter a day of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a unique book in that it doesn't, chapter to chapter doesn't correlate one to another. It's not a story. You can literally read chapter 14 that has nothing to do with chapter 13. 15 has nothing to do with 12. You could jump on anywhere and it has no connection to each chapter. So what I do is I recommend that you read the book of Proverbs in corresponding to the date. So today is October 13, read Proverbs 13. It has 31 chapters. If you do that, you'll read Proverbs in a, you'll read it once a month. So two in Psalms, one in Proverbs. I recommend reading two, um, two chapters of the book of Matthew. Start in the book of Matthew, beginning of the New Testament. That's five chapters. And do that every day. Read five chapters a day. Very simple. I have, I have a more elaborate plan, but I think this is a good way to just start, get you going. The word of God will be a blessing to your life. It will refresh your soul. And when you read the word, allow, his heart, allow, allow God's heart to speak to you. Be prepared maybe even with something that you can write or something like that. It will really make a difference in your walk. Yeah. Amen. Was that helpful? Yeah. Let me tie it up. Praying always, this is verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Most people, I'm going to give you a bonus here because most people don't include this as part of the armor. I believe this is part of the armor. Most people stop at the sword of the spirit. No, but there's no period there. You see him continue his thought. Praying always, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Your prayer life is vital in you walking in spiritual victory for all the saints. Like I said, we're all in this together. This is not just my walk with God and your walk with God and I'm blessed and, oh, you know, I believe God. How about you? No, 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 no. When one person suffers, we all suffer. When one person glories, we all glory. We're family. We're part of the household of faith. We are part of the body of Christ. This is why you'll constantly see this term in the New Testament, one to another, one to another, one to another. One. You'll see so many scriptures. If you want to do a study, and let me help you study. If you want to study the word, which you, one, the, one of the very first ways I learned how to study the Bible was there's different ways of studying, but one is called a word study, right? You can do topical studies, word studies. You can do dispensational studies. You can do book studies. You can do a whole bunch of different kind of studies. But one kind of study is a word study where you look at a word or a phrase and you look at where it's mentioned all throughout the Bible. And it begins, and you, you kind of do a deep digging into it. If you want to see something about one to another, go to BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com, right? Go to the concordance section and type that in, one to another. 
and you can skip straight to the New Testament. I guarantee you're going to see hundreds of terms, one to another, praying one for another, loving one another, you know, supporting one another. There's so many scriptures that talk about one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. That's a very big clue that this faith walk is not just about you and about you and about, no, it's about all of us. And here we're told, praying for one another with all kinds of prayer and supplication. That is part of spiritual battle. So while you're battling and you're praying for someone else, you don't realize that you're praying for them, fortifies them to now pray for you and enables you to have a breakthrough in the area that you need breakthrough in. Too much of us, we live our lives individual. Our walk with God is an individual walk. It's into, and maybe it's, maybe it's our fault as leaders. Maybe we emphasize too much the individual walk with God. But I want you to know to, today that God never intended his, his, his children to have this individual kind of thing going exclusively. No, there is a family of faith, a family that God wants us to engage in where we're praying for one another, serving one another, ministering to one another right? That's what it looks like. That's what causes you to have strong believers by you when you're invested in their walk with God and they're doing the same for you. So how many people will stand in Jesus' name? You're going to stand. Stand, stand, stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, Visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.